artificial intelligence is here. Welcome everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Daniel Lopez. This is the AI Education Conversation, where we explore the opportunities, risks, and the impacts of AI across education. Let's jump in. Happy holidays, everyone. I hope the season is treating you well. For those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, maybe due to a winter break or just some general rest time, welcome. For those of you who frequented many conversations, thank you for continuing to listen and engage. As we do every few conversations, I want to hit pause on all we've learned so far about AI's impact in education. This time, however, we will do so by predicting forward. With all that we've learned about AI and education up to this point, what might this mean for how AI will impact education in 2024? I share my predictions for what's to come. Before we jump into predictions, I also wanted to just say thank you. Thank you to all of you listening, whether it's your first or you've listened to many episodes. I know I don't say it often in the hustle and bustle of the conversations we have with such great experts, but this platform has truly given me an opportunity to connect with people all over the world in the pursuit of developing and implementing AI in a way that will truly transform the educational experience for our young people. If you've enjoyed the 30 plus episodes I've shared and recorded thus far, please continue to rate, share with your colleagues, as this will give us a bigger platform to share what we've learned about AI so our school practitioners don't have to do so much legwork as they explore what AI implementation is going to look like for them in the future. If you have recommendations on who I should be speaking to, please send me a message on LinkedIn. 2024 should be an exciting year of conversations and exploration on AI and education, and I can't wait to share some of the conversations I've been having. Let's jump into some predictions on AI's impact in education next year. My first prediction, AI is going to continue to increase in schools through grassroots collaboration, but I don't see significant adoption happening until governments enact funding and action planning. My last episode with Bree Dussault, who runs the Center for Reinventing Public Education at Arizona State University, really goes in depth on my perspective here, but I think the trajectory is pretty clear. One year after ChatGPT, and with pretty notable innovation across AI this past year, we've seen a large scale, we have seen some adoption of AI in education, but we have not seen large scale adoption of AI in education, especially in K-12 education. There's also some foundational reasons why I believe that this is true and why I think it's going to continue to be true next year. K-12 public education systems are largely decentralized. They emphasize local control. Schools continue to have so many other pressing priorities, like addressing learning loss, post-pandemic, supporting mental health of students and their staff, teacher turnover, and in general, just yearly outcomes that they have to prioritize that are more pressing than understanding how they're going to implement AI. There also continues to be a lack of resources and time to be able to figure out AI implementation across the hustle and bustle of the school year. Namely, schools don't have enough time to do that legwork of learning that they're going to need to do to be able to effectively implement. There's also some other things happening on the horizon, especially here in the United States. ESSER funding, which was a huge opportunity for schools to take uh, an unprecedented level of financial resources and be able to put it back into their schools. A lot of that funding and grants is expected to be up at the end of this year. 
So we may end up seeing a big pullback in educational spending over the next couple of years. And currently, there there isn't really any national, clear, strong models and resources across federal and state governments to incentivize schools reprioritizing and really trying to figure out what AI implementation is going to look like. A good part of my, my current role as managing director of program with one goal is spent interacting with leaders from schools, districts, state education entities, and other nonprofits. What I've largely learned from those experiences is even if large institutions like states are throwing money at schools to adopt certain standards, practices, or technology, it still takes support from experts, from organizations who can support implementation across the vast school context within that educational landscape. As an example, what does this look like in a small rural school versus what it looks like in a large urban school? I do think we're going to continue to see bright spots here, though, especially as it relates to that AI implementation. And I'm not totally pessimistic about systematic adoption never happening. Rather, I don't think it's going to happen at the pace that many folks have thought if you fall into this camp of believing AI is a a once-in-a-generation type innovation. The bright spots here that I'm referring to are the one-off grassroots schools, districts, and organizations who are currently doing the hard work of exploring and thoughtfully implementing AI solutions to solve educational challenges without an abundance of resources or guidance. Our early adopters, our trailblazers, I will do my best to continue spotlight to continue spotlighting those trailblazers in conversations that we have in 2024, and I do believe that a major potential pathway towards meaningful action plans for schools across the landscape, which will actually work, will be driven by the lessons that these trailblazers learn across their journey. Prediction number two, I think we're going to continue to see AI innovation happening at an exponential rate. Now, at a surface level, any of you who have been listening to this podcast or have consistently done your homework on AI research, you may be like, duh. But let me explain why I think it's worth calling out the exponential component of this and why it's so critical, and more importantly, what I think this prediction means if it actually holds true. So let's like take this back and let's look at the bigger picture of technological innovation over the last century, if you will. The first digital electronic computer was built by Iowa State physicist John Atansonov in 1937. It wasn't until 1974 with the development of the Altair, and then a couple years later, later with the Apple computer, where people actually had a personal computer large enough to fit in their homes. In the same year, 1974, Vinton Cerf and Robert Kahn produced the TCP IP, which stands for Transmission Control Protocol, Internet Protocol, which describes how data can be broken down into smaller pieces called packets, and how those packets can be transmitted to the right destination, or more commonly known as the basis for how data is transmitted over the internet. But even though the foundation was laid then, 1974, it took until 1991 for the first web browser and website to be released. So let's just put this into context here. It took 40 years for our technology to be powerful and small enough to have personal computers from that 1937 initial breakthrough until the 74 where we had something that could fit in our homes. And then, it, and then when we look at the internet, which was really the next large innovation within this, this trajectory here, it actually only took 17 years from 1974 to 91 for us to have the point where we birthed the internet. Now let's compare that to society today, 
where it seems like every single month we have smaller and more powerful tech technology capable of computing more information and storing more data, and it is leading to more information being proliferated at an almost unfathomable rate. I'm not the only one who thinks this. In an episode of one of my favorite podcasts uh, called Making Sense with Sam Harris, Sam interviews co-founder of one of the pioneer artificial intelligence companies, Mustafa Suleiman. Mustafa was a part of some of the biggest artificial intelligence breakthroughs of the last decade. First, as his company DeepMind, as they developed AI capabilities that could play the old video game. Some of you might recall this. I think it was from the 70s or 80s called Atari, essentially one of these first video games where it was like a tennis type component. And then then evolving that uh, that artificial intelligence to the point where it, it was able to play and successfully beat human experts in, in what is considered to be one of the most difficult games on the planet called Go. Mustafa describes in the interview he had with Sam Harris how over a decade when he first started with, with DeepMind and they were working to create their Atari model to the models that they're using uh, 10 years later here in 2023, he describes how it took around two petaflops. To be honest, I, I can't even fathom how much data that is, but he said that it took two petaflops of communication or of computation to create the Atari model in 2013. And he said a decade later, advanced AI models used by his recent company Inflection AI are using 5 billion, billion with a B, times more computation than what was used for Atari to develop some of their cutting uh, edge AI models today. Let's take another example, ChatGPT. It's the one we've obviously talked about a lot. It's the one that really made AI mainstream over this over the course of the past year. The AI model that they dropped last November in 2022, November 2022, which powered ChatGPT, was called GPT-3, right? That was the model of data and information that was powering the chatbot we know as ChatGPT. At the time, it was estimated that it had about 1.7 billion parameters. And these, these things called parameters are essentially rules, guidelines, values, processes that allow the model to function inside the massive ocean of data that it has to navigate through. And it allows it to, to build you know, those, those neural connections, if you will. Fast forward to March, five months after the release of ChatGPT, the new model OpenAI released, which now mostly powers ChatGPT today, has 1.7 trillion, with a T, parameters, which is intended to lead to higher performance and quality. And you know, ChatGPT released the, uh, released the full report when they had GPT-4, which you can find in previous episodes where they uh, describe all of the ways that uh, ChatGPT or GPT-4 performs more effectively than GPT-3 did. Now, I would imagine that they were working on this even before you know GPT-3 had been released and they were putting in work there. But all that to say, look at the amount of growth in such a short period of time, right? 1.75 billion parameters with GPT-3 to now 1.7 trillion with the next model. So I say all of this to highlight the fact that technology appears to be accelerating at a rate that humanity has never seen before. And it makes it almost impossible for education and governmental systems as we are currently structured and developed to catch up without pretty radical changes in how they make decisions. So again, it really begs this question for me if we continue to have this almost unfathomable rate of exponential growth especially within the context of AI innovation, 
and these systems stay largely static, does it lead to a breaking point? I don't know. Uh, but it's it's something that we'll have to continue monitoring in 2024 and beyond. Prediction number three, mainstream conversations on AI will start to go beyond generative AI models, which we know is ChatGPT, BARD. You know, they do these, these nifty little things like sending respond, text-based responses to things that we're requesting with a prompt. They send us images. They can send us audio. They now can start to do video as well, which is pretty exciting and, and interesting. But I predict that in 2024, we are going to also start to learn and talk about other types of artificial intelligence beyond just generative AI. Things such as artificial capable intelligence, AI agents, and human AI integrations. To be honest, maybe this prediction is a little bit too aggressive and maybe it's a little bit ahead of the game. And I'll be wrong here, but based on the pace of innovation, which I just talked about in the previous prediction, there's so many elements around artificial intelligence which I think will become more mainstream in 2024. And I want to briefly explain what I mean by the top three that I just shared and share some quick things you can Google if you'd like to learn more and get ahead of the curve as to what those things actually are. Artificial capable intelligence. What the heck does that mean? That essentially means that AI can do things beyond what generative AI like ChatGPT can do. Like I said, generative AI, right now it largely functions in four ways. It gives you text back, it can uh, you know, provide some type of image or graphic. It can provide audio. Um, you know, it, in, in some cases, it can provide video. But a lot of those are, are pretty static outside of anything else. It's mostly with a prompt. What artificial capable intelligence essentially means is that AI can actually do things beyond generative AI can do because it's now connected and lives within other technology. Think about an ACI which powers a self-driving car or goes beyond suge suggesting a website and what it should look or feel like to actually instantly developing and launching a website independently. Those are just some examples of what ACI can look like. And as more companies try to figure out how they can generate, uh, integrate models from popular companies into the functions of their website or their other technological tools, we may start to hear about artificial intelligence doing other things beyond just some of these things that we've learned about with chatbots like ChatGPT, Bard, Claude, etc. AI agents, what does that mean? I've talked about this before. To be honest, AI agents is something I'm a little bit worried about, but I do think just like artificial intelligence, there's potential for a whole lot of good, but there's also some things to watch out for and be very careful with. AI agents take artificial capable intelligence a step further in the sense that the models and how they're developed essentially operate, can operate, I should say, independent of their human driver. There's a fascinating study that was done a couple of months ago, which I'll post in the description of this episode, and you can find it on previous episodes as well, where I highlighted it, done by Stanford, where they essentially created this virtual world with 28 AI agents. Now, an AI agent in the context of their world were chatbots that were given a bunch of parameters, instructions around a human-like persona, right? So they were told things such as, you are, you, are, you are a male, you believe in justice, you have a son, you have all these things. And the idea was to give it enough parameters to develop a human-like persona. And then they did that independently with about 28 chatbots. And then they uh, put a lot of prompts to put them in different scenarios and then encourage them to just engage. 
And then they, they largely let them run with that. So within the context of this virtual sandbox world, they let these 28 AI agents just continue to interact and engage with each other for a while. And what they were noticing is some very interesting behaviors that popped up, such as things like gossiping, things such as uh, being able to speculate as to who was going to be mayor, who was not, creating some elite alliances. It's a very interesting study. And I think that's just one example of what an AI agent means and, uh, you know, provide some implications there that we're not currently seeing with generative AI. We also see AI agents looking in different types of ways. So as an example, AI agents, my understanding is, is that they're pretty popular in the medical field in the, because of the fact that you can set very specific parameters for models that will help to solve some of the biggest challenges, the biggest medical challenges that exist today, right? Being able to explore the uh, impacts of certain chemicals, certain ingredients, uh, certain biological compounds, and being able to determine how those things might interact with some of the biggest killers of humans today, right? Being able to identify potential solutions for MRSA or for cancer or for some of these other things, and just having these AI agents that don't sleep, that are able to constantly analyze data, that are constantly able to create scenarios where they're able to, to determine how things will or won't be effective against certain uh, diseases or viruses. And so that feels like a really potential value. I know that based on some of the things that have come out recently, there's been a lot of ways that society has advanced very quickly in our ability to do this. My understanding is some of the MRA, uh, mRNA vaccine technology has really helped. There's a lot of experiments going around protein folding um, that are supposed to be, I think, transformational for humanity. So I think we're just scratching the surface for how AI agents may really be able to help within the context of the medical field. Finally, and I think kind of related to the AI agent uh, use case within the medicine piece as well, I think human AI integration is probably going to be something we start to talk more about as companies continue to develop products here that encourage this integration, that take us beyond the smartphone. We're starting to see some of these things. So we're starting to see collaborations with Meta and Rayban for a, a pair of smart glasses that has, you know, technology within it and it's integrated, you know, on your eyes for in prescription sunglasses. We're seeing companies that are developing necklaces that you can engage that have AI models you can engage with. Um, these are being presented as consumer go goods currently where you can engage, you know, with social media, the internet, potentially some AI models. And we're, we're starting to also see physical technology showing up in a different way. Physical technology that's supporting people with physical needs, such as robotic appendages, which also have AI models, which have connections to the actual neural networks of people. And it, it allows them to have human-like engagements with a robotic arm. So imagine somebody who maybe is missing an arm. They are putting a robotic appendage onto them. But in addition to that, they're also using AI to allow them to interact with and move that arm using their mind in, in a way that they would had the arm been real. We're also seeing the same technology empowering paraplegics and helping them walk again with these very large metallic structures that even allow them to, again, use their, their brain of, uh, supported with AI models to be able to walk again uh, with different stimulus and technology. So with our current technological pace, it does make me wonder what schools will look like in a few years. You know, so many large urban school districts, just in my experience, are starting to see smaller enrollment numbers. They're seeing enrollment declines relative to a few years ago, even a decade ago. 
There also continues to be big challenges, as we know, things such as like high teacher turnover. There's drastic educational experiences for students living in different zip codes. And right now we're also seeing more laptops, blended learning approaches in classrooms, more virtual schools pop up. It also just makes me wonder, I guess, if this is this is just like the the tip of the iceberg. This is not just a Band-Aid for a larger, more seismic shift that is going to happen in the educational experience down the line. Like, is are we actually going to continue to live in a world with the type of technological innovation we have today, with some of the innovation, with some of the biggest challenges that education faces today, where kids are continuing to go five days a week to a brick and mortar building to do school in mass numbers across the U.S. and really across the world? I don't know. Um, I think tech technology and the innovation that I just described may provide more aggressive, uh, enticing scenarios for certain families in, in, in the very short future. Let's talk about prediction four. This is the one that scares me a little bit, um, but I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that we'll find solutions. Um, but I, I, I don't see a way, especially with the presidential election coming up here in the United States next year, where this doesn't play a role. Deep fakes. Deep fakes are going to continue to create tensions next year, and it's going to lead to schools and governments prioritizing AI policies that address and educate and mitigate deep fakes and misinformation. We're actually going to be doing a really awesome, exciting episode in January around deep day, uh, deep fakes. And so for now, um, I want to provide a little bit of context on this prediction and also explain what a deep fake is if you haven't heard of it. A deep fake is essentially a type of media, so an image, music, video, audio, news, uh, which is generated by AI. In the last year, AI-generated media went from being pretty cool, but not totally realistic at the end of 2022, right, where you were able to generate some images, maybe some images that look like people, but then you'd look really closely at it and the hands were pretty deformed or it had seven fingers instead of five or those kind of things were popping up. To now here in 2023, we're getting some really pristine and stellar images, audio, and the and the like as it relates to this AI generated content here. Especially as these AI models, which are powering a lot of these chatbots, continue to improve. You may have heard of some of these notable deepfake examples in the media, such as the image of Pope Francis. We did a full episode on that early on in our AI journey. It's called the Pope Pope Francis in the puffer jacket. It's all of these images with Pope Francis wearing Balenciaga attire. And again, they look really pristine. They look like really cool images. There's also uh, some interesting updates here in the world of, of artistry and, uh, around audio where there was some really awesome sounding sounds, uh, songs. There was this hit that came out called Heart on My Sleeve, which was sung entirely by the artists of Drake in the Future. But again, it was totally fake. It was done without their consent. It was a really cool sounding song, but they didn't have anything to do with it. You know, to be honest, those types of use cases, I would say, are, are maybe marginally harmless, though I'm sure that, you know, the companies or other folks may disagree. But real quickly, you can see how this becomes a little a slippery slope, right? What happens now when this same technology is being used in other ways? Like it actually was in this past year. These are things that actually happened in 2023, Organizations, individuals creating fake media to incite violence around current global conflicts. Developing fake media to sway voters in campaign ads, which has already been done by multiple politicians and parties. 
using videos you all posted online to train an AI bot to sound like a loved one in your family and then calling you to scam you out of money, making you think that uh, somebody in your family has been ransomed and that they have your voice when really that they they were just trained on the voice of your loved one and then being scammed out out of a lot of money because of that. Using AI to generate harmful images, which could destroy the reputation of an individual. So as you can imagine that this reality, using AI-generated content for these purposes, that that for me feels very scary. And especially when you can combine that with a distribution network like social media. And what that I think teaches us is that when this technology is in the hands of our students, it can lead to a lot of a lot of issues, especially without regulation or guardrails, issues like cyberbullying. AI-generated content can largely be a force for good in our world, but it no doubt has some negative effects. And so I hope that this prediction does come true in the sense that I hope that schools and and governments do find ways to prioritize lessons, curriculum, activities, conversations with our young people around deep fakes so we can try to mitigate its impacts in a way that we missed out on with the increase and really the explosion of social media. I'm going to leave you with one last prediction as we head into 2024. My fifth prediction, I think video games, video games and social media is going to be the primary way our young people interact with AI. And I think it's going to have an impact on schools. In the last decade, so many teachers and schools could not have fathomed how products like TikTok, Instagram, Pokemon Go, and even smartphones as a whole would impact their ability to engage students in the classroom. Today, so many students spend their time outside of school, their recreational time, on social media and playing popular video games like Roblox, Minecraft, Fortnite. You know, many of these products have already begun adding AI-like creator elements to enhance the experience for their users. But given that their audiences are largely younger than 21, and they may not have have ample exposure to AI models like uh, some of the chatbots that exist out there, like ChatGPT, Bard, a young that that could theoretically mean that a young person's first and dominant interactions with AI could actually be them using AI to generate objects, generate people in a mini game that they're building on Roblox or using AI to create entertaining content on Snapchat. As you can imagine, this may actually mean that many young people will come to the classroom with biases, with preconceived notion on what AI is and what ultimately it should be used for. Some of these perspectives will be helpful, but some will also require unlearning. You know, beyond this, I think our schools also have an opportunity here to swim with the stream rather than trying to fight the tide. The reality is AI is likely going to continue to be prolific in the many ways we all spend our time outside of schools and the way that we entertain ourselves, our productivity tools, all facets of our life outside of schools in the classroom. So rather than trying to fight this, maybe there's an opportunity to capitalize on it or to align with this or to create some synergy here uh, between some of these tools and the narratives that exist in these tools outside of the class versus the way we try to establish it inside of the classroom. We'll see how the end of the year, we'll see at the end of next year in 2024, how I did on these five predictions. But I got to tell you one thing's for sure. I'm buckling my seatbelt for an exciting second semester of the school year in 2025. 
I'm also really looking forward to continuing this learning journey alongside all of you as we adapt to a world with AI. As always, feel free to connect with me and message me on LinkedIn. Curiosity opens doors. Connections build bridges. Learning paves the way. Humans at the heart of AI education. We'll see you next week.